Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast with Dr. David O. Ogaga. Let's start reading from Judges again. Judges 21. And uh, we'll look at verse 25. Judges 21, verse 25. From the message, if you can get it. Okay, if you read, read King James, message says... Judges 21, 25. Are you there with me? He said, at that time, there was no king in Israel. People did whatever they felt like doing. Now, it means there was a period in the history of the nation of Israel where there was no king. And Anybody feels like doing what he or she wants to do. Simple definition, it was a lawless society. Is it clear? <laughs> I want you to just think about it a little bit. Because it's very crucial to us as a church. God to us, is a king. How many of you understand that? Now, it means if Israel had no king and they were doing whatever they felt like doing, anybody can just wake up, do whatever they or she wants to do. And the Bible is saying it's because there was no king. Why is this so? It was because kings were the people responsible for the law that the society was supposed to function with. And this is very crucial. You just follow me. <laughs> oh, no, you, see, you see the Bible says, the Lord has made us prince and kings. So you put this together and see what I'm trying to say. So it goes back to the church, as we're going to see, that the confusion in the society is because we're not functioning as kings. We ought to define the society, not the society defining us. Amen? Young man, if you can, check with me, I think Ephesians 1. Uh, is it Ephesians 1 on the last two verses? Talk about Christ. Uh, let me check with me. Ephesians, uh, last two verses. Ephesians 1, the last verse. I will go to Ephesians 2. Let me see. Go to Ephesians 2. Check the last verse. Let me see. Okay, go up a bit to verse 20. Let's start from 20. Mm. Okay. All these energy issues from Christ raising. Go to verse uh, 21. Let me see. If that's what I'm looking for. Okay. Okay. Right? We're talking about Christ being in charge of running the universe, everything from galaxies to governments. No name and no power except from his rule, and not just for the time being, but forever. Is that okay? Verse 22. I want you to know the word government. He's in charge of it all. That's okay. Go back. He's in charge of it all, has a final word on everything. At the center of this, Christ rules the church. Mm -hmm. Next verse, let me see. That's what I'm looking for. The church, you see, is not. That's what I'm looking for. Look at it very well. The church you see is not peripheral to the wall. The wall is peripheral to the church. Did you get that? The church is Christ, but in which he, he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. He speaks and acts through the church. The church is not peripheral to the wall. Is that okay? 
the wall is peripheral to the church. What it means to say is the wall is not meant to dictate to the church. The church is meant to dictate to the wall. Why? Because the kingship is supposed to be from where? From the church. But what do we see today? The wall is controlling the church. That's a problem. So, we do all our, whatever thing we need to do, our shows, they are all packaged with the wall system. Our programs are packaged with the wall system. Anything you want to call innovation is actually a copy work from the wall. That is absolutely wrong. Why is the church the way it is? No rules, no laws from the head who rules the galaxies and the government is supposed to be from. You know, the prophecy says, the church shall be upon, the government shall be what? Upon his shoulder. So the carelessness you see around is because there is no king. The church have invariably declared that we don't have a king. Because where there is no king, people do whatever thing they want. No rules, nothing. Hallelujah. So like I said, God is for us a king, so he made laws. That's why we're kingdom citizens. He has a kingdom, and the citizens of the kingdom, they live by the laws of the king of that kingdom. So you check your church. By what standard are your members living their lives? By what standard have the church come into being right now by which we can influence the world? Are we actually influencing the society or the society is influencing us? That's the question. Hallelujah. Do we have a standard and say, this is what the scripture really meant. This is the way we are supposed to live. Do we have a standard? Just let me help you. I want us to think. Thank you. So now quickly move with me. Revelation 5. You know that very well. Revelation 5. But don't miss this scripture. It's very vital. Ephesians 1.23 from the message. The church is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. Don't miss it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Revelation, go to Revelation chapter 5. Let's look at verse 9. You see, we allow all kind of things. We just go by everything the world has put in place. And we are just declaring there is no king. But yet we say, that is King Jesus. So where are the laws <laughs> of our king? Hallelujah. Okay, go with King James. Let's go with King James. It's easier. This time, let's look at it. And the song, a new song. How many of you remember a new song? Saying that, worthy to take the book and to open the seas thereof, for thou was slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nations. Okay. And has made us unto our God, what? Kings and priests. And we shall do what? Good. So kings reign. How do kings reign? They reign through laws. Are you, are you, are you following me? Kings reign through laws. See, let me tell you something. You must come to the place. I'm going to make you see some scriptures. You must come to the place where your works become decrees. <laughs> Amen? We all must ascend to that place where if we make pronouncement, they become decrees. In other words, you establish rules in every situation. I'm not talking of writing down codes. Somebody have to understand what I'm saying now. And the Lord has made us priests and kings, and we shall reign on this earth. 
Now, the word to reign is very important. It means to be king. To reign means to be king. From a Tyler's Bible dictionary definition. It means to be king. To exercise highly kingly power. To reign of a governor of a promise or metaphorically to exercise a higher influence to control. To reign means to exercise the highest influence and it means to do what? To control. So, if the church is not peripheral to the world, the world is peripheral to the church, it means the church was supposed to have the highest influence and control on the face of the earth because it says, we shall reign where? On the earth. Not in heaven. Not when you die. So your kingship is the definition of what? Your influence. And his death brought you to that place. Uh -huh. You must come to the place in your life where you have to make some decrees and they must be established. Is that okay? Because kings rule with and by decrees. I'm going to make you see that. Okay? Just a little bit for time's sake. <clears throat> Exodus 19. Excuse me. Exodus 19. There's a corresponding scripture you can find in relation to Revelation 5, verse number 9 and 10. <clears throat> it's Exodus 19. And uh, in my local assembly, I've taught people this. Maybe next session, some other time I'm going to teach you. There are some things <coughs> that, uh, as we have the book of Leviticus, you know, God talked about certain meat that cannot be eaten. How many of you remember that? Okay. Uh, so, it also has to do with the def definition, has to do with the definition of clean and unclean meat or food. When you say clean meat, you're talking about clean food and unclean food. And you know <laughs> what we have, the word of God, which is our food, isn't it? Right. So there are some food, thank you, there are some food you cannot take. There are some, some wells you cannot take. Is that okay? I even talked about animals that are stand on two legs and you cannot eat. That is why God cannot allow you to be a cannibal because you're more or less like animals standing on two legs. <laughs> Anyone has something else? Thank you. <laughs> Let me take this. Yeah, one of these sections, we're going to deal with all of that. You know, it talks about animals that chew cord, animals that doesn't chew cord, right? So the animals that chew cord, the animals that, that's meditation. To chew cord is to meditate. We deal with some of those stuff. But let's go out here. Exodus 19, verse 4. Look at it. You have seen what I did unto you or unto the Egyptians and how I bear you on eagle's wings and brought you unto myself. Not unto a location, but unto myself. There's a marriage relationship between God and Israel. That is like when you're taking a wife unto yourself. You have seen what I've done. Is that okay? Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people. For all the earth is mine. Is that all right? Go ahead. And it says, And it shall be unto me a kingdom of priests. I want you to understand that. You see, Revelation says kings and priests. But in the true sense, what it means is a kingdom of priests. Not necessarily kings and priests. So, you see what we do because we read it from Revelation, kings and priests. We now talk of marketplace to be kings, priests to be in church. No, very wrong. It's a kingdom of priests. I'm going to make you see how it works. Right? And it says, And it shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. Like I said before, you see, um, in a way, help yourself. Don't believe a doctrine that cannot be totally backed with the shadow of the Old Testament. 
I'm sorry. That may rock your theology. Some people say I have nothing to do with the Old Testament at all. You see, the Old Testament is a shadow of the new. And the law says, at the mouth of two or three witness shall every case be established. So you can't prove a doctrine from the New Testament without that Old Testament backing. It's the law of double witness. Paul writing in the first Corinthians 11, I mean chapter 9, said it. said, Muslim on the ox that traded out the corn. Where did you find that? In the book of Exodus. And Deuteronomy said, was God speaking about oxen or speaking about us? He wants to establish the fact that I can be blessed from the church because I am the one giving out the food. But he got it from the Old Testament. <laughs> are, you with, are you with me? But we have some people who say they can't touch the Old Testament at all. No, 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 no. That's not true. Anyway, get this point right. A kingdom of priests, not kings and priests. Because when you use the word kingdom priest, you are separating the two. But you see, we are priests functioning as kings, or kings functioning as priests. I'm going to make you see how it works. It means the law comes from us, but we redeem the people through our priesthood ministry. We establish the law in the society, but we minister spiritual things to the people. We cause them to live as citizens of the kingdom in relation to God's mind of redemption. I make you see the function of a priest, but let's progress just a little bit. Praise the Lord. Amen? Okay. So he said a holy nation, right? There should be a people, one people, family, united among themselves, living under their own laws and powerful enough because they are united and acting under the direction and the blessings of God. That's why I say peculiar treasure unto me. And you know, we read that in the book, of, you can read First Peter. It tells us that, isn't it? Say, you're a holy nation, peculiar people. He's saying the same thing in Exodus 19. That's what Peter was repeating. When he say you're a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a peculiar people. Right? Hallelujah. Okay, and he says, just like I'm trying to say, all Israel was a holy nation. So, this is precisely again what, to a large degree, Martin Luther was saying. Is that okay? Because we all have one royal blood. And again, you have to understand, the function of the five-word ministry, they are services to the body. They are not more royal as compared to those listening to them. Are you getting what I'm talking about? We all have the same royal blood. But we are performing a duty. I was sharing with my church or the fellowship on Wednesday. The word ministry, diakonia, is actually service. So you are more or less a servant to the people. So in the true sense, your definition is a servant leader, not a boss. Is that okay? Good. All right. So we're having a, a holy nation here. Now let me show you now. Let's progress. Deuteronomy chapter 4. Don't forget where we are coming from. There was a time in the history of Israel where there was no king. And everybody was just doing whatever they or she wants. Useless society. Lawless society. <laughs> Deuteronomy 4. Let's look at verse number 5. Praise the Lord. Now, God was speaking through Moses, and he says, Behold, I taught you statutes and judgments, Moses speaking now, as the Lord my God commanded me that you should do so in the land without you go to possess it. Mm -hmm. Keep therefore and do them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of what? The nations, I want you to understand this, okay? We shall hear of this status and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people, okay? Next verse. For what nation is there so great who had God so nigh unto them as the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon him for? Praise the living God. 
Okay. Now, verse 8. Verse 8 says, And what nation is there so great that has status in judgment, so righteous the laws now, as all this law which I said before you this day. Can you get that? It means the laws of God were supposed to come from Israel. Now, I'm going to show you something. Uh, very quickly, before we come into this, go to Deuteronomy chapter 32. Deuteronomy 32. Very vital. You understand it. The nations are going to say, what a wonderful law. What a wonderful nation. What a wonderful people. They have wisdom. They have understanding. It simply means the church is a place of wisdom. Because we will have the wisdom of God as compared to the wisdom of the world. Is that okay? Now, that I was saying from the beginning, are we dispensing the wisdom of God or the wisdom of the world are taking over from the wisdom of God? Okay. Deuteronomy chapter 32. Quickly, verse number 7. Verse number 7. Look at that. Remember the days of old? Consider the years of many generations. Ask thy fathers and they will show thee. The elders and they will tell thee. Mm -hmm. When the most High divided to the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. Very good. Go ahead. For the last portion is his people. Jacob is the Lord of his what? Inheritance. Verse number 10. He founded him in a desert land and in the waste, hard in wilderness. He led him about. He instructed him. He kept him as the people of the apple of what? Of his eyes. Praise the Lord. Now, I want you to see the picture. It's unfortunate I do not have that now. I wanted to, if you look at the picture of the wall and you look at the position of Israel, okay? Admirably, you find that Israel was conveniently positioned. In terms of the human race, at the junction of two great continents, Asia and Africa, and almost within the side of Europe, is a junction between Asia and Africa. And it's like you can oversee Europe from there. So, what happened? The gospel picked up from that place to Europe, hit Africa. Asia. You can see Jesus writing to the seven churches in Asia. Are you getting that? So what is going on? God wanted to turn humanity from the level of life they were living to himself. He now picked one nation called Israel and he called them a kingdom of priests. In other words, my laws are going to flow from you to the rest of the nations. So every one of you being Jewish, you are a priest. Are you following that? So Israel became the center from where the mind of God was supposed to flow to the rest of the continents of the world. Praise the living God. Meaning, Every Israelite was a potential priest. Anywhere an Israelite was supposed to find himself, his duty was to turn the people unto who? Unto God. They were a priest. Let me show you the function of a priest. Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. So that you can just get this together. Hebrews 5, are you there? Let's look at verse number 1. For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sin. Are you getting that? The duty of a priest is to atone to sacrifice for the people. Now, don't forget your kingdom of priests, or priests, kings and priests. Is that okay? Okay, look at the next thing, verse 2. And it says, Who have compassion on the ignorance? 
and on them that are out of the way, for that himself is also compassed with deformity. Know that the duty of a priest, listen, until this strikes your mind, you can't function as a priest. And if you can't function in this capacity, you can't even function as a king. One of the major functions and duties and the characteristics of a priest is that he has compassion for those who are out of the way. When you go to preach, how do you address the people? God didn't send you to go and condemn people. A priest's duty is to reconcile the people. It's to offer sacrifice on behalf of the sinner. The rest of the world were insane. Israel was raised as a priest. That's why they offered the lamb. Christ had to come out of Israel because the priest must offer the lamb on behalf of the rest of the nations. Are you getting that? And he said, you are a kingdom of priests and what? Kings or kings and priests. Meaning it's our duty to offer sacrifices on behalf of the rest of the nation. The Bible said they're out of the way, meaning their lifestyle is not our lifestyle. Their wisdom is not our wisdom. We are supposed to show them the wisdom of God. And not only that, we do it with the priestly function of reconciling them because they're out of the way. The people you call sinners, how do you preach to them? When Jesus met with people who were sinners, what was he telling them? Hallelujah. Zacchaeus says, he said, today have salvation come to your house. He didn't tell him anything. It was Zacchaeus that says, if I have taken, I will refer sevenfold. He was quoting the law for Jesus. Jesus said, salvation have come. He's not even talking about what you have taken. Salvation have come because I'm in your house. I came with salvation. I didn't come to demand what you've done. Come on, somebody needs to understand what I'm saying. I, I didn't come to ask you. I didn't come to demand restitution from you. I came to offer Salvation. Salvation have come to your house. Stop talking to me about restitution. For allowing me to come in alone, salvation have come. In other words, all the things you were supposed to restore before you have been saved from them. I've come to offer salvation. How do you preach to sinners? Look at the function of a priest. Look at it. Next verse. And by reason hereof, he ought as for the people, so also for himself to offer for sins. Is that okay? All right. Go ahead. Don't need to talk so much about Jesus here. And no man taketh his own unto himself, but he that is called of God as was Aaron. Aaron was the high priest. Is that okay? Your call into the priestly function is not because you were qualified, God called you. That you are a kingdom of priests and kings unto God is a call upon, I mean, from God, not because you had anything that qualified you to become one. So in your ministry, you must have that sense, that understanding. This is simply grace. Next verse. And it says, So also Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest, but he said unto them, Said unto him, That my son, today have I done what? Begotten thee. Christ did not assume the office. Next verse, very quick, verse 6. As he said also in another place, That art a priest forever, after the what? The order of Melchizedek. What is the order of Melchizedek? Priest and king. Because Melchizedek in Genesis 14 was the king of Salem. The word Salem means peace. He is the king of peace. Is that okay? Now, we are all in the order of what? Melchizedek. It's not just a title. It's a function. The order of Melchizedek is the order of kingly authority and priestly duties. Hallelujah. Are we far together? Are we connecting? Are we together in all, in all of this? I'm trying to make us understand that there is no way you can even function as a king if you don't have the attribute of a priest. 
It was not the call of Israel to truly dominate the nation through force. All the nations that God removed were because they were practicing things that God doesn't want. The Canaanites and all that. It was because God wanted to remove idolatry, human you know, sacrifice, all of those things that those nations were practicing. That's why God rooted them out. And why was he doing that? So that he can plant his laws and his rules in those territories. That's why I was telling Israel, you don't have to go and do the same thing that you saw these people doing before I send them out. Are you getting what I'm saying here? So if God has called us out as a royal family, as a royal priest, the question is, how is our lifestyle compared to the rest of the world today? So we're a royal priesthood after the order of Melchizedek. And God called us. Now, again, I'll show you how kings rule. Luke chapter 4, I mean chapter 2. Kingship is not democracy. Is that okay? The nearest thing you can find in human endeavor in relation to governance to that of kingship is military rule. Military rule, they rule by decrees. They write decrees and they pronounce it. They are like kings. But in democracy, for every law to be put into place, it has to be debated upon and signed and all of that. Is that okay? All right. Luke chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. I'll be done very soon. Look at that. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree. Can I hear an amen to that? <laughs> Glory to God. Amen. There went out what? A decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Next verse. And this taxing was first made when Serranius was governor of who? Of Syria. Okay. Now what I want you to see there is kings make laws and decree them into effect. Job 22, the Bible says, when you shall put on the divine nature, which is gold, you shall decree a thing and it shall come to pass. You don't, we, we are not called to beg situations. We are called to decree over situations. Hallelujah. Are you getting that? We are called to make decrees over situations. So even in your private businesses, in whatever, you are a king. Establish the laws of God by making decrees. Hallelujah. Sometimes in, in that which you call prayers, you simply make decrees because you are a king. So you see how powerful decrees can be. Let me show you. You may not understand this now, what we just read. Listen. You know, it is the decree that made Joseph to take Mary to Bethlehem to be given birth to, to Jesus. I mean, if you remember. Good. Now, let me tell you. Prophecy have already gone forth that Jesus was going to be born in Bethlehem. Even if a prophet has come to shout, it is time, nobody will listen. Jesus will still not have been born in Bethlehem. But he took a king to make a decree and everybody began to run. That is where you see the power of a king. Can you get that? Until Caesar made that decree, Joseph and Mary, they were all stay put. They were not moving. But as soon as the decree came, Joseph went to Mary, let's go. The king has spoken. Let's go to our village to go and pay tax. As a God to village, Jesus came. Prophecy fulfilled. So you see how God used the decree of a king to fulfill his own prophecy? 
That is why some prayers you pray. <laughs> you just need some decrees. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Having known them prophetically, you make decrees and you establish them. You've held it in a prophetic dimension. How do you bet it? You make a decree about it. And then you establish it. Are you still there with me? But get this point right. The church is meant to function as a king. Meaning, we can make decrees in our environment and cause those things to be established. Wherever your church is planted, you are a governing church. You need to understand that. In the environment you find yourself, you are a governing church. You are supposed to make some decrees in that environment to change the climate and the atmosphere of that environment because you are a governing church. You bring in the laws of God to bear in the society just like Israel was supposed to export the laws of God to other nations to please God. So, people are misbehaving, make decrees. What do you want as a governing church? Are you sitting there with me? Somebody's head is not correct. Make decrees. <laughs> Are you sitting there with me? You know, I used to make this. Sometimes it's funny, you know, but <laughs> look at this madman that was in the cemetery and Jesus went there and the Bible said he became in his right mind and he sat at the feet of Jesus. So what was wrong with his mind? <laughs> as soon as he came to his right mind, he refused to go to the cemetery. Are you getting that? Some people are mad. You don't need to go crying, talking about devil. Cause them, make decrees, change their minds. They will think right. Amen? Look at the prodigal son. With all his foolishness, the Bible says, he came to his mind and said, I must go back home. Deliverance took place. He came to his mind. He was eating with pig, but when he came to his mind, Huh? He went back home. Make decrees. Hallelujah. That is your duty as a king. Not all the time you're crying. You can be begging God, fine, but when it comes to certain issues, fine. The thing must change because you function well now as what? As a king. Are you sitting there with me? You function as a king. Even if it's somebody who doesn't know God, you can make some decrees. I speak to your mind and I'm decreeing right at this hour. You have to turn to the Lord. I come against anything. You make some decrees and then you minister to the person from the priestly function by reconciling the individual back onto who? Onto God. Because whatever thing he was doing, he was out of the way. He was not in his right senses. Praise the living God. Are we following so far? Okay, let me show you now how powerful this can be in relation to how you'll be able to make some decrees. There has to be a union between you and the Spirit of God. Very vital. You understand it. Okay? All right. In Matthew 25, you know the story of the five foolish virgins and the five wise virgins. You know the story so much, isn't it? But remember, it's about the kingdom of God. Is that okay? Praise the Lord. But verse 12 says, you know, verse 11, the Bible says, they went in with the bridegroom, locked the door, and the five foolish ones came and said, no, I can say, come in, want to come in also. And then verse 12, the Bible now says, but he answered and said unto them, and said, verily I say unto you, I knew you not. I know you not. Is that okay? Good. What does it mean to say, I know you not? It's not, God is not saying, I don't know you as a person. God knows the names of everybody. He knows all human beings on the face of the earth. Isn't it? Come on, is it not? What does it mean? I know you not. Okay, let's see another scripture. Matthew chapter 7, verse 22. Some of you going out for crusade, make some decrees before you get to where you are going to. Call up the name of the nation, make some decrees there. Establish God's laws in the heart of the people. Go before you ever step in there. You're not begging any devil to leave. You're making decrees. Huh? Matthew 7, 22. The Bible says, 
Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in the name and in the name cast of devils and in the name Domini, wonderful works? Next verse. And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that walk in iniquity. Let's define what it means to know someone from the Bible. Genesis chapter 4. When the Lord is saying, I know you not, I know you not, what does it mean to say, I don't know you? Are we there? Verse 1, Genesis 4, verse 1. And the Bible says, And Adam knew Eve, his wife. What does that mean? Does it mean Eve had been standing around, Adam had been looking at Eve, and he doesn't know who Eve was? And Adam knew Eve, his wife. And she conceived and bare Cain and said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. So what does it mean to know? Is to have a close intimacy with the other person. So when Jesus is saying, I know you not. In other words, you are not a bride unto me. You are not my wife. I have not had any affairs with you. Are you there with me? Good. Why am I saying this? Go to 1 Corinthians 6 now. You see what I'm saying. I know you not. No union, no relationship. You are not a bride. You may probably be taking my name, but I have no, no communion with you, no union with you, no intimacy with you. Now listen, I'm bringing you to the place where your world becomes decreased. Is that all right? Okay. Oh, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 16, down to 17. Look at it. What? Know ye not that he was joined to and hallowed his one body? For two shall set he shall be one flesh. Look at verse 17. But he that is joined, Koleo, unto the Lord is what? One spirit. Once you are married unto the Lord, you are one spirit with the Lord. So it is not you really talking, it is the spirit of God in you that is making the decrees. Amen? Now let me show you how powerful this can be. 1 Corinthians 7. There was some question that was fitted unto Paul to answer, especially about marriage. 1 Corinthians 7, look at verse 25. Let's start from there. So questions were asked Paul about marriage, about virgins, about divorce, and all of that. Let's, let's get this. Now concerning virgins, I have no commandment of the Lord. In other words, no prophetic word about it, no scroll about it, Old Testament, nothing is written about it, no commandment. Are you listening to me? <laughs> Yet I give my judgment as one that has obtained mercy of the Lord to be what? To be faithful. I give my judgment. You're talking to me about virgins? There's no record. I'm not talking about dossier the Lord. I'm not talking about it is written. Nothing. But this is what I have to say. But the point I'm raising is, Paul has to say what he has to say, and it is written down. <laughs> Are you getting what I'm talking about now? Are you there with me? So it's already becoming a decree. By Paul. He didn't get it from according to the scripture. No, 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 no. It is written. No, 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 no. Paul does say the Lord. No. He is just living normally. Are you getting that? And he said, This is what it is. And as I said, so it is. Why? He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. Are you following it? Okay, verse 26. I suppose therefore that this is good for the present distress. I say that it is good for a man so to be. I said it is good. In other words, he has judged, he has found, he has concluded this is the right thing. And God said, Paul, what you said is the right thing. Write it down. Are you there with me? So it's not a question of making reference to any point. 
No, 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 no. When Caesar made the decree, he wasn't making reference to any document. He simply said, I just want everybody to go to his village to pay tax and get census. I want to know the number of people. It was not a reference to any point. He was a king. Okay, go to verse 20, go to verse 39, verse 39. Let's see how we wrap this up. Oof. Very quickly. Got a few more minutes to go. Are you there? Verse what? 39. The wife is bound by the law as long as her husband liveth. But if her husband be dead, she is at liberty to be married to whom she will, only in the Lord. But she's happier. What is it? What do you mean, but she's happier? Who is saying this? <laughs> Why is it, but she's happier? No longer reference to the law. Are you there with me? But she's happier. If she so abide, after my judgment, and I think also that I have what? That's the answer. Are you getting that? So here Paul is establishing boundaries for people to live by. Without reference to any law, without reference to dossier of the Lord. Why? He's joined to the Lord. He that is joined to the Lord is what? One spirit. And if you look at that, it's capital letter. How many of you notice this? Referring to your spirit, speaking of the spirit of man, is always small letter. Check that out. John 3 verse 6. Very quickly, so that you can see it. Paul is saying, I have the spirit. That's why my judgment is right. John 3, 6. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is what? Can you see one spirit is capital, the other one is small letter? The capital letter is Holy Spirit. The small letter is your human spirit. So the aspect of you that is born again is your human spirit. Proverbs 20, 27, the Bible said the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. That means everybody has the spirit, but everybody do not have the light. Are you see that? They have a candle, they have no light in them. So when you go out, you're only trying to put light in the candle of the people, and now they begin to think as God. Are you hearing me? That is all you are doing. They have the spirit, but the spirit have no light. That's why the Bible says God is the father of all flesh and all spirit. Everybody have the spirit. All those drinking in the beer parlor, they have the spirit, but no light in their spirit. That is why the spirit came on the day of Pentecost, descended upon them, and like a flame, it was their spirit that was receiving the consumption. Are you hearing me? Right from there, they become, you are a light that is set on a hill. Are you hearing this now? Because your spirit have received what? The light. Now you are a candle that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden. But the man in the street have not received light. You are the one to go give him light. And when you join to the Lord in this way, you are not speaking of yourself. You are not the one talking. It is the spirit that you are joined with that is talking. Are you hearing me? Paul said, and I have the spirit of God. So what I say is correct. Virgins, this is what I say. Women, this is what I say. Come on. Does anybody get what I'm saying now? You come into the place of making decrees and God honors those decrees because you are joined together with his own spirit. I see you walk to your church and make decrees of what you want. You're not begging. Praise the living God. Let me show you now. Revelation 22, very fast. You see all these guys in the street? They got the spirit of God. But not the Holy Spirit yet in their spirit. But God gave them spirit. Everybody's got spirit. Are you hearing me? Everybody got spirit. Revelation 22, verse 17. Look at that. And the spirit and the bride say, Come. What does that mean? What, what, what are you looking at there? The spirit and the bride. Right? 
is talking about you and God, you and the Holy Spirit. The Spirit and the bride is now speaking. What does that mean? The Spirit is speaking through the bride and saying, you come. Who is the bride? The church. Are you seeing it? And the Spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that hear, hear us say, come. And let him that is at test come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. That is your announcement. The Spirit and the bride is giving this proclamation. That's your evangelism. That's your soul within. Just come. The Spirit and the bride say, come. Because both of you are one. Hallelujah. Are you, are you sitting there with me? Is anybody catching this? Very important. And so when that happens, what's the next thing that's going to happen? Job 22. And we'll close from here. Verse number 28. The spirit and the bride say, come. You're going to shout that today. Even when you get to your church. Let the spirit and the bride begin to invite the people. Come. You look into your street say, come. You are just calling the people. The spirit and the bride say, come. You're not begging them. Come. Are you there with me? Job 28. Look at verse 22. You will decide what? No, brother, let's use, let's use the Old Testament. But let's read this first if you want, then we'll go back to King James. Give me the message. Let's see how it puts it. You will decide what you want, and it will happen. Your life will be better what? in light. You will decide what you want. You, you will decide. Are you getting that? So it is left for you to decide. Okay, let me see. Go back to King James. See how he puts it. Thou shalt also do what? Decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee, and the light shall shine upon thy ways. You will decree a thing. Why? Because you are a king. So let me tell you something. The devil is not stopping you. You have refused to make a decree. <laughs> are you hearing me? Because you don't know yet that you are joined to the Lord. You don't know that both of you are one spirit. You don't know that God wants to make a proclamation through you on the earth. So sometimes when you want to talk to people, simply say, come. I want you to come to my church. Come. You're not begging anybody. Are you hearing that? I like Jesus. Lazarus, comfort. No begging. Come on, somebody. Are you getting what I'm talking about? You shall decree a thing. It shall come to pass. Why? Because you are a king. And where the west of the king is, there is power. For further information and message order, please call plus 234 803 Or you can visit our website at www.gkai.net. God bless you.